Hey everybody, welcome to the Sacred Springs podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're a longtime listener, this is a little different from the rest of the podcast episodes that I've put out so far. I am excited because this was my first interview and of course it is an uh, an episode that really reflects this uh, podcast and this podcast mission to talk about the interconnectedness of earth, of the body, and how to find that wisdom from within. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. I know I enjoyed the interview so much. Sana is such a beautiful person and you will get to know her more. So without further ado, let's dive in. Sacred Springs Podcast, a podcast where we explore the wisdom of earth, spirit, and the wisdom within. I'm your host, Melissa Grace. Sana, welcome to the Sacred Springs Podcast. We are so happy to have you here. Mm, Thank you so much for having me here. It's wonderful to connect with you to in this way and to your listeners of course so you are a somatic nature connection coach um you live off grid in a conscious permaculture community something i know so many of us aspire to and are like that's the golden ticket um you're an herbalist you're a creator of the wild roots guide you're just overall a loving and nurturing earth-centered fatty. So happy to have you here. Mm, thank you so much. And I hope I can live up to it because I'm just human, <laughs> just like all of you who's got a very big passion for nature and humans and reestablishing that ancient bond. Mm-hmm. Certainly you are human and you are a really beautiful human at that Mm, just like you (laughs) so happy to be here today with you so uh, sana and i did a um we were in a coven together which was for very like-minded individuals lots of earthy people lots of magic witchy um healers and so sana and i really got to know each other and um, i know i felt an instant connection with her um even through the internet i was like oh my gosh who is this human you're amazing let's be friends yes it's interesting how those things work even through internet that you you can look at someone as like "Mm, you're one of my people I like you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's really, it's a gift because I feel like, you know, a lot of the times we do get a little, of course, we are a little, um, even me, um, 
critical of the internet and critical of like technology, but there are a lot of gifts that come with it, including being able to connect with people on, you know, the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I just see it as the modern mycelium and we have to be in right relationship with it. But mm. when we are, it's magic, guys. It's real magic. Mm -hmm. So will you tell us what your rising sign, sun sign, and moon sign is? Yeah, of course. I will get my notes out so I won't mess up because sometimes <laughs> I mess things up. I, I know I've said those things before. I'm like, mm, what was it again? Uh, but my son is a Taurus and I really I really feel that one. I'm really curious to, to hear what you, what you have to say about that. Um, my rising is Sagittarius and my moon is Scorpio. Mm, what a combination right there. You've got Earth. You've got fire and you've got water. And mm. yeah, so you totally are like a Taurus babe. Like you embody the Taurus, like the really positive parts of Taurus, like so, so like beautifully. I, I love that. And seeing that your rising sign is Sagittarius, it makes so much sense that you are driven and have this like Sagittarius is like the arrow from the archer, like, you know, the archer, and it's like the actual arrow. Um, and your moon being in Scorpio, like that's parts of you. I just don't even know yet. Like that shocked me and also tickled me because Scorpio is one of my favorite signs, but that's like, wow, that's an intense, but also, you know, Scorpio's fixed water. So it's like a more like earthy type fixed is a more earthy condensed type of energy. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, I definitely see that. And like the Scorpio, the moon and Scorpio, I'm like, I'm almost ashamed of it, but the Scorpio is a good oh. sign. It's mysterious. Mm. I think, especially in moon, I'm not really much, I don't know a lot about astrology, but I know a little bit about my science. It's really mysterious, I think. And, yeah. mm, totally. And it, our society, the, the stuff out there about Scorpio is, is yeah, like damning, almost like Gemini, like, yeah, people damn Scorpios and Geminis. It's like, um, I don't know. Scorpio is one of my favorite signs. I love the intensity. I love people who are willing to like dive deep into mm. mystery and transformative processes and the like life birth and, and death cycles and the rebirth. And like, that's, so that to me is what Scorpio is all about. I'm here for it. So yeah. I love your moon. <laughs> mm, I'm so glad you do. And me too. It's, it's like going to the depths and I think also the rising has got much about going deep and take the long shot and really mm. aim for what you want to accomplish in life. And next mm -hmm. to my very earthy Taurus sign, that's, yeah, that's really what I'm all about. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. I think that was a really fun addition. Um, I think it's such a great way to get to know people. Um, with these with these signs and also your information on it is like yeah 
yeah, that's a proper introduction of me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, so yeah, here you guys go. You get a little inside scoop on Sana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would love to know more about your work with somatics. What it, what's that all about? Mm. Mm, somatics to me, it really has been a deepening of the connection I have with nature and I see other people have with, um, with nature, of course, all humans have it. And the way I look at somatics, it's really a modality that brings the body, mind and soul back into coherence, um, but also getting attuned to the collective, to the bigger picture. Um, it is really about the way I see it is about getting in touch again with the wisdom that our bodies hold and learn to dance with it again, because I think that's really something we have forgotten to listen to it to dance with it to take action on it and really value the wisdom of our bodies again um, and especially if you yeah with somatics um, it's really about attuning to your own nature our bodies are the closest nature we have to us um, so connecting to it is yeah, it's really a journey uh, coming back home to, to yourself as well. And for me, um, the work I do with somatics is really deeply rooted into the nervous system. And um, as a psychologist, because I'm, um, I'm, I studied psychology, I really got fascinated like long before Stephen Porch made up his polyvagal theory or at least made it popular. I got fascinated by um, Hans Seil's general adaptation syndrome. I'm not sure if you are familiar with mm. that. Tell, tell me more. Yeah, it's in, in essence, it's that stress and being in a constant state of uh, stress, so in essence, fight or flight, makes us ill in various stages. <laughs> and I got really like fascinated by it. Like I was studying this very mind hat focused thing, especially back in the day. And then someone who was really respected shared that your mind can actually make your body sick. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that really planted some seeds. Yeah, boom. Mind um, blown. Mind blown. And I think nowadays this body of information, especially through work of uh, Baker Cook with the body keeps the score, is much more out in the open. But back then it was like, oh, goodness, <laughs> this is something. Um, so I got really fascinated by it. Um, and when we look at, um, and maybe I'm going like deep down into the rabbit hole, so please join me or <laughs> take me out let's of it. Let's go, Scorpio moon, let's go deep. <laughs> yes. Oh, and so, Sagittarius rising, let's do mm -hmm. it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> get ready for, for the ride. <laughs> When we look at humans from like an evolutionary perspective, we are still very much wired for the life our ancestors had. Um, so we, we needed to stay connected to our tribe because if we got lost from the tribe or we, or the, the people wanted to get us out of the tribe, that would mean like much, much less chance of survival as well. We need to be on the lookout for dangerous animals and so on and so on. 
Um, but still, um, the life they led, the estimate is that they were for 70% of their time in a rest and digest state. So we've got this image of our ancestors always being on the run, but in essence, they were in rest and digest 70% of their time. Um, so that their, they could socialize, their bodies could take up the nutrients from their food, they, their bodies could uh, recover, restore. Um, and people used to be very well attuned to their bodies because they needed their bodies, of course, and their senses to be in, in connection with the environment, to find food, to find water, to find resources and so on. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting because if we look at modern humans, we flip, we flip sides. So we spend 70% of our times in fight or flight, and this takes a toll on our body. Um, and we don't no longer need to run from bisons and, and saber-toothed tigers and things like that. Um, but still we have created, so we're this we're wired for these old situations and we're living in a in modern life that is really taxing on our systems. Um, and this is this is something to do with why people feel ill, uh, stressed, why they feel lost, because they're no longer connected to that rest and digest state, but also no longer are able to socialize with a tribe. Um, and also, like food-wise, our ancestors used to have a two-week supply of food in their tribes, and we often have only three meals at, stored at home. So, yeah, of course, it's no wonder that our nervous system is in high state of alert, um, and I'm really passionate to, yeah, take this ancient knowledge and that nature knowledge back into somatics and help it to... Um, help it to come back into alignment again and help it to us to trust again that with some of our bodies to listen to it um, and that we can feel safe again safe in the world we live in safe in our bodies we live in uh, and of course in the world we our influence is is very important. when we look at how we feel in our bodies we can we can change every almost everything of course there's big trauma uh which can take a lot of time to to process and go through and there will be triggers um but when we meet these old like the old ways like not feeling safe being in a rush their somatics and a nervous system really hold the key to come home to yourself and change how you look at the world and therefore change the world and when all world leaders are connected are well regulated oh goodness the world looks so so much better mm. yeah and, i mean it was a very deep dive into our ancestors but this is mm, it's such an it's if you're working on somatics nervous system work for yourself or with clients are oh, you contributing to something the world needs really needs i loved seeing how your face lit up when you started talking about this like you obviously know that this is like part of your work and like part of your your purpose and like i just loved seeing the way that you lit up and 
um, I do, I think it's so, so crazy. We've lost our connection. We've lost our, like the knowledge, like, yeah, when mammals in particular, we have to feed off of our, our mother, right? We're so dependent when we're born on our mother and humans in particular take years to develop and become independent. And this means like we are wired to be in such close connection. Um, so I loved how you brought that up. I loved how you brought up that like we were meant to rely on one another. Our, our wiring hasn't changed. And yeah. the fact that we're so isolated and um, it really is to our detriment and that if we want to be able to come to a state of coherence and come to a state of regulation and really like show up in the world in meaningful ways, we have to work through the body. Like our body really does hold the key. And I just, yeah, I loved the way that you spoke about that and how you shed light on, on that fact. Mm, thank you. And um, I think you also made a, a very important um you mentioned for something very important and that is that we're as humans and especially as mammals and especially how, how slowly we develop as humans we are wired for deep connection and in this world we often don't have it so don't beat yourself up if you if you feel that disconnect if you have a hard time if you're struggling because Research shows one in four adults struggles with a mental illness at this time. So it's not you, it's the world we created together. <laughs> it's the time that we're living in. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Um, wow, what a beautiful explanation. And, and thank you for the compassion that you're putting out there. Mm, I think the world needs more compassion. And we, in the first place, we need to be more compassionate with ourselves. Yeah, now, I, I found that with me and my clients, both of you know, both with me and my clients, I found that I'm attracting clients who have similar wounds as me, have really similar. Um, so it's like, yeah, when I talk about my clients, I'm also a lot of the times talking about myself. Um, but that like that self-compassion is one of the hardest things to be able to, to give. And, um, yeah, but you can start small with the self-compassion, you know, it starts with even just giving yourself a breath or a nice nourishing meal or, um, allowing yourself to like reach out to someone if you need to. Um, like reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, um, small steps to compassion, self-compassion. Definitely. There are the small steps that really add up. And also gratitude, I find, can be such a way to come into the state of compassion, to notice things that you're grateful for about yourself that are not related to someone else. So not I'm such a nice person, but I think I'm really good at dot, dot, dot. It can be wonderful to take, like, like you said, like just a minute or 10 minutes for yourself and yeah, hold yourself for a little while. 
love that. Like the idea of holding yourself because um, I, I get the image, you know, I, I have five older sisters and I was a nanny. I've been around kids a lot, um, which we used to be, but a lot of us don't have exposure to kids, but I've seen that like really intimate, like the breastfeeding and the way the baby lays on the mom. And I kind of just imagine that for myself and for people is just like, like giving that, that soft gentleness to yourself, like really enveloping yourself with that soft, um, gentle, you know, gentle touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also do that unconditionally mm. because that's what mom do, moms do. And when we, when we think of things like a nice breath or a nice cup of tea or taking time for ourselves, it's like a reward for our work, but it's the other way around. We should do this in order to deliver our best work and to love ourselves unconditionally and yeah, be compassionate with ourselves, no matter, no matter what comes up. Yeah, totally. Um, I, that's incredible. An incredible point is that, like, you know, a mother who is like present and loving is able to do that unconditionally, and that's what a child needs. Um, yeah. And many of us maybe didn't receive that, and that. Um, cultivating that unconditional love for ourselves really ripples out. It really does. It's, it's important work. I know we're spending a lot of time on this. We are deep diving, but I just think like you gave so much meat. It's hard not to, um, you spoke of the 70% of being in that more restful state and the 30% of being in the, the fight or flight to survive. And um, another thing that I'm sure you see in your clients as well, but, and myself and my clients is just this like guilt for resting and yeah. guilt for like, but like that's more of our natural state, you know? Um, so I feel like I'm going to write that down somewhere in my environment, just 70% rest somewhere just to remind myself like your desire to rest and, and, and be still and enjoy the world around you is actually how you were wired. Yeah, this is, this is how we are designed. And rest is, in this case, rest can also be active. So it can also be going on a walk or gentle movements or being with people you actually like, like you don't have to put up a show because then the fight or flight, of course, gets um, activated as well. But for me, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> is, is this how it's supposed to be? Like, this is how it's supposed to be, to be human. Rest and digest for 70%. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Love that. It's such a nugget of wisdom. Um, and in the world of information, especially, you know, I feel like us millennials who have had access to the internet, I do feel like information does help us. It just, it's, it's our, it's kind of our birthright as we were born in this time that like information does really help steer us in the right direction, the right information. So. 
definitely yeah we should we should take from it from this digital age what's good for us and see how we can work around the rest like we always have this phone with us myself included um, but there are apps that can block like when you hit a certain amount of screen time or it can block certain apps i'm like yeah let technology work for us instead of the other way around oh totally totally um that's a beautiful point fritz agrees and <laughs> my dog <laughs> Um, so dogs know how to do, how to be a wrestling digest. They're oh man, so much. And cats of all animals, you're like, wow, yeah. you just <laughs> literally chewed on grass for 13 hours straight. Like, hmm, hmm, taking notes. <laughs> yeah, we should be taking notes. We should. So I know we got into somatics and nature. Hmm. Um, we got into somatics and nature there for a little bit. Um, but was there anything more that you wanted to add on how somatics and nature are related? Yeah, we can also go deep into this, but let's, <laughs> let's keep it on the surface for a little bit. Um, I think, um, what's interesting is that nature is called the master, uh, regulator, uh, when it comes to the nervous system. Um, and it real nature can really have a big effect on our nervous system. And again, when we look at the ancestors, that's no surprise because in nature we found food, we found shelter, we found materials. Uh, that's where the other living beings were, the other mammals that we connected with, the other animals. Um, so nature has been essential for our survival. So it's, it comes with no surprise that it uh, has these soothing effects on us. And the way I view somatics and the relationship with nature is that it helps us to get in touch to that primal, that primal sense and those instincts again. And about getting attuned to your inner ecosystem, so the body, as well as the bigger ecosystem that surround us. And nature, nature is really a place of non-judgment. Like nature doesn't care how you show up. If you're there, you're there. So it's, it's such a wonderful canvas to explore and experiment. Um, like when you roam around in a wilderness or your local park, you get more tuned to your surroundings. And if you want to do that, you need to get more tuned to yourself. So it's really this dance between your being yourself and connecting to the natural world. And the interesting, what hap the interesting thing what happens then is that our spidey senses or instincts or intuitions really get fired up when we get into nature we get calm again we get really attuned to ourselves and our surroundings um we become our minds become more clear and of course that's got nature's got like bazillion uh, positive effects on our mental well-being or physical being um for me it's really about that interplay about attuning to both ecosystems and learning, remembering, feeling again that we're part of this greater web of life and we are nature. And this yeah. is where our bodies, our minds, our spirit, it just does what it does best. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really loved what you said about um, like instincts and like being in nature, how our instincts are sharpened and we like come back to those instincts. I just thought that that was um, a beautiful parallel because our body, our instincts live in our body, not really in our mind. Mm-hmm. And I love that you pointed that out. Yeah. I, I actually, I of course work with a lot of people in nature and I've, uh, I got some friends who, uh, for example, got invited to uh, go on alone, history alone, um, or naked and afraid. And they spent, I, of course, myself spent longer periods of time in nature, but the stories they, uh, they brought back home were really these stories about when we, when we immerse ourselves in nature, the barrier between us and nature disappears. So we, we just know where the food is. We know where the water is. Um, and we, when we get attuned to this, of course our bodies can relax because it, it knows where it can get the supplies needs in order to survive. So yeah, the stories about this, are, yeah, they're brilliant. Um, you can experience this, of course, for yourself if you go camping, for example, or go for longer mm-hmm. hikes that you really notice yourself becoming part of nature again. Mm, totally. Um, that must have been such a wild experience for your friends. And yeah. those people like, oh my gosh, I love backpacking. Um, my husband and I, my husband got me into backpacking and it's not the same but it's kind of that similar you do have to look for water you do have to be you know but you're you're carrying the food on your back and the shelter on your back and um yeah being immersed in nature it takes about two to three days i would say and it's just crazy how much more in tune you are and um really present definitely yeah it's what a wonderful gift of your husband to get you into backpacking and hiking really nice he's he's a wild guy he's definitely like a mountain goat a bit he's so athletic and yeah it's wonderful mountain goat spending time in nature like you said those two to three days it really is what it takes to land back in that state of mind and the interesting thing is that for nature it only takes about 20 minutes to accept you so if you sit quiet in a spot for 20 minutes then like all the wildlife around you has settled and they just yeah you've become part of nature so (laughs) it really takes a little while for us to adjust and nature's like okay you're here welcome back Mm. so beautiful I feel like I have so much to learn from you and the way that you connect with nature. Um, I think that's such a beautiful tidbit there, like 20 minutes of your time to just sit somewhere and you will be accepted. Yeah. This is called the sit spot, the sit spot breakfast. Are you familiar with that? Mm, this is something that's, uh, made possible, made, made possible, made popular by, um, I have to check his name, but an, um, let me check his name because otherwise, yeah, <laughs> there is a book. Uh, the Sispot is made 
popular by uh, Tom Brown, and Tom Brown was one of the students of one of the of one indigenous elder uh, who really took, mm. took him out of the wing. Um, and this was one of the key practices he learned from him. Um, and I've done this practice myself, of course, and I've done it with with other people. And it's it's like meditating in nature, um, mm. but because you it goes beyond meditation. It it really is about observing. You you simply take 20, 10 to twenty minutes to observe what is going on around you, mm. and therefore you get so attuned by the lessons of nature. And you also notice, especially if you're there for twenty minutes or more, that nature just the birds return, the wild animals return. It's it's magical and so full of important lessons. Uh, that nature has got to offer. So, yeah, sit spot. If you want to learn more, Google it and you'll find like bazillion sources. <laughs> awesome. We'll put that in the show notes too. I think that's so important. Um, even I, who am a like nature aficionado, I feel that I could deepen that that connection and that um, ability to sit and allow in nature. Um, versus like, I'm walking, I'm looking and poking around and, you know, like, like tromping, um, just to like sit and be and let nature be around you. Yeah, it's really, it's so simple, but so profound. I'm really curious about what's your, because this is one of my favorite nature connection practices. What's your favorite nature connection practice? So what do you do to connect with nature? Thank you for asking that. That's uh a good question. Um, my favorite way to connect with nature is um, honestly to give gratitude and to like observe the tiny details um, and sing with nature. Um, yeah, yeah. And like make songs, like, I don't know, not make songs cause I don't really feel like, but songs come to me like, um, foraging is one of my more favorite and being in big bodies of water, um, for as long as possible. Those are like my go-to weekly basis. That's how I get out there and connect with nature. Hmm. These are wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now I want to know yours. <laughs> <laughs> There's a cough coming. That's okay. Drink your tea. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, my favorite nature connection practices. Mm, the sit spot is definitely one of them uh, because it's so simple and I often like brush it off as like, mm, should I be doing this? And I'm like, yeah, definitely. I've got <laughs> yes. so many insights. Yeah. So, so many insights, so many lessons, so many beautiful meetings with, with animals. And yeah, mm. so that's definitely, definitely in the top five. Um, I also like wildcrafting. Uh, a lot mm. and singing and humming with nature oh that's such that's like nervous system regulation like mm. yes it's, yes it's, it's really good uh, yeah. because it's the nervous system in so many ways 
And something I find really interesting to uh, work with nature is um, is using nature as um, are you familiar with constellation work? Like constellation work. Yeah, family constellation. Family constellation. Yeah, a little bit. Not an expert, but the interesting thing is you can do very similar things with nature. So mm. you can just, especially if you're wondering, if you're pondering something, uh, or you have like a problem or an issue you're facing, and you're like, eh, I need some guidance with this. You can just go on a on a walk and see if there's something in nature that catches your attention. Like this could be a tree or a bush or a rock or whatever, or just a landscape. And then reflect on on the thing you see in front of you. Um, and just try to see it as it is in the first place. Like, what is it? Can I walk around it? Um, what does it look from this side, this side, and so on. Um, and then when you base yourself through this whole process of just simply observing, uh, see how how your so for example maybe you are pondering if you uh, need to take action on something mm-hmm. so you and for example you're you're looking at a tree and you might want to f- reflect on what does this tree think about moving is it moving how is it moving where is it moving to and what time frame and then reflect on it a little bit further. And then when you've noticed all the things that are there to reflect upon, you can see if you can see parallels between the, the things you see in front of you to your own life. Um, and it's it's such... When we place the things that are inside our brains and we place them outside in nature, amazing things happen. So you you get a valuable insight you need it or something else happens and there's often with this simple practice there's a complete shift in um how you look at things and i've seen this like work time and time again and this is definitely one of my favorite practices if i need it um and then afterwards i always like do a little gratitude ritual for for nature and definitely like hugging hugging trees and things like that Mm -hmm. Wow, I love how that um, practice you shared really seeks to establish relationship between nature, between whatever you're observing and yourself. And that's how we can heal is when we really establish those relationships. So what a beautiful practice. And I I can't wait to really put that in. put that into play in my life. <clears throat> yeah, definitely give it a try. And I'm really curious how it works for you. And um, uh, feel free to adjust it because I think mm-hmm. we are creative enough to create our own practices, create our own questions, create our own unique ways of having these conversations with nature because that's essentially what it is. Totally. Absolutely. Beautiful. Um, So I want to know if you would tell us what experiences have led you to becoming a somatic nature connection coach. 
Mm, yeah, that's that's such a good question because it, this is really the journey of me becoming a somatic nature connection coach is really about the story of me, essentially. Um, I grew up in a family that was really, we spent a lot of time in nature, walking, searching for materials to craft with and things like that. Um, but I kind of got out of touch with nature uh, during my teenage years because, of course, music and things like that were much more interesting. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I, in my 20s, um, and a little bit before that, actually, my health really suffered um, at its lowest. I was bedridden for most days in a week, so that was really bad. And, of course, my mental health suffered from it as well. And during those times, so when I was at my lowest, I started to reconnect with nature. Um, and one moment I, I just, it will always stay with me, I remember, I remember it very vividly, it was friends that were always camping invited me to go with them. I was like, no way I can do that. My, my body is way too weak to, uh, to go out on camping, uh, camping trip. But I decided to do it anyway, like, I will just give it a shot. Um, and when I was there, and especially after a couple of hours, I was like, wait, what? My symptoms are less? I feel better? Whoa. Like, what's this? What is happening? Whoa. I was, I, I just got fascinated by it. I was like, how is it? How does it work? Do other people have this? And of course, like, a little research on the interweb like yeah more people have this in japan it's really well known really well documented as well um so i got i just really dived in deep um but then of course my health was still it wasn't really good it of course it helped a little bit me spending more time outdoors um so it was i was taking it slow and uh during those times i met my partner johan who was really into bushcrafting, um, primitive skills and things like that. It was, it was really all of these things I was gathering and emerging myself in was understanding the language of nature better. So because I got a little bit better along the way, I was able to spend more time outdoors um, and I could really like immerse myself in it and see what it did for me. and um it actually took me quite some time to like connect the dots like okay i'm a psychologist and i definitely have to do something with nature so it took me it took me a lot of years to like <laughs> there there is something there um but when i did i found um some really cool uh certificated uh programs that allow me to um yeah to really hone the craft I was building in all these years before I got certified as an outdoor coach both for groups as well as individuals um I also did a herbalist um uh, certification because I'm really into herbs um, so yeah that's that's how I started it was really in the first place it was really my journey um and with all the things I've learned and experienced for myself, and of course, like getting trained into it because that can help to hone the craft that isn't 
Manazor, of course, but it can really help to, to hone it. I just started taking people outdoors with me. Um, and yeah, that's, and now, now I run a company and I just get paid to camp with people. I get paid to like take forest walks with people or to help them connect through digitally and we'll, we'll help you to, to find your own pieces, perfect pieces in, um, in nature. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit the story. Wow. Somatic, add on that. The somatic part I couldn't access because I had like a very difficult relationship with my body, of course, having a chronic illness. Uh, but I knew there was something there. And the moment I had worked through that personally, I was like, yeah, now I can take this on. And it's like, oh, such a good mix. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who's like, can go out and do the nature camping part and who's also into deeply into the somatics and and the the healing arts in that way and it's like such a beautiful combination that you have and what an experience that must have been the first time that you went back out into nature and you were sick and you were like wait i feel better like oh my gosh what is this what is this madness medicine oh it's my birthright it's nature yeah it's it's free. It's there. It's accessible for for almost everyone. So, yeah, it was really mind blowing. And mm. yeah, it's it's so wonderful to combine it with somatics because you know the magic when nature and somatics combine. Because you're yeah, you're just you're just the embodiment of that. I feel mm, totally. Wow! Thank you for explaining that. What what a cool journey that you've had here. Um, so, um, this sacred springs podcast is all about the rhythms of nature and how that relates to ourselves and our spirits. And, um, I would love to know that your perspective on earth's rhythms. Mm. For me, the earth's rhythms are just nature's permission slip to harness our inner seasons and whatever comes up and it's such a tangible and practical piece of wisdom nature's got to offer like how everything has and flows the seasons the epiflow the sea the moon life that our breath menstruation cycle um it's just everywhere and i think something profound it teaches us is that everything moves in cycles and that there's a time and place for everything. And that we, yeah, that there is such power when we harness this, when we learn to rest again in winter and to be active in summer and to be attuned enough to ourselves that we know when this is our season because our inner seasons, of course, can be uh, not in sync with the outer seasons. That's very, mm -hmm. very possible. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in a society, and I'm, I'm really curious to hear as well how you think about it, but I really feel we are so disconnected to the seasonalities, but also we value, like we value summer a lot. With winter, mm -hmm. not so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this can be really, 
Yeah, such a... Mm, it can really be the um, encouragement to celebrate all seasons. And yes, something I find a really interesting paradox is that in order for us to um, to really like bloom in summer, we need to have that rest. So we need to have that dance, those rhythms to, um, to really perform our best and to feel our best. Um, but it takes courage. It takes courage to harness this uh, again. And there's something that's really interesting that I wanted to share is when I was still working in a corporate job, there was this book called The Corporate Athlete. It was like, it was creating a buzz like in the the human resources and, and, and wellness like departments. Um, and the interesting thing about the book was it was like a very businessy book. Um, but it, um, it shared the story about how athletes know these rhythms. Athletes know that they want if they want peak performance, they better should rest and they better like have to build up their capacity to perform and then have that peak performance and then have that rest. And I was like, yeah, we know this leads to peak performance and then still we have so much issues by really harnessing this rhythm, this dance with life. So yeah, there's so much wisdom in these seasons, in these cycles. Um, and if we feel our best, want to perform our best, share our medicine with the world, then we need to learn to dance with these seasons again. And yeah, nature, nature can be such a, such a gentle reminder of that. Um, and it can also encourage you to listen to whatever season is present in you because the moon has its own cycle. The sea has its own cycle. Of course, the moon and the sea are connected. <laughs> but they're separate. They're separate. A sun has a separate cycle. So really to, yeah, have your own dance, have your own rhythm. And you, how, what's for you the, the biggest lesson in this, the seasons and the cycles and the earth's rhythms? Mm, oh my gosh, there's so much there. Um, and thank you for sharing your perspective. And um, really, I love that you were encouraging this dance um, of your own inner dance. Like, like I personally love living with the seasons. Like, I'm I'm like a back to earther type of human. So for me, it's about like tuning into the rhythms of where I'm at. Um, that's also been something very interesting to me is that, you know, seasonality is different on different parts of the planet. And mm -hmm. um, so that gives different nuances. And even that fact kind of lets us know that we have our own internal seasons, as you were saying, and that, that it's so important for us to allow space for that. I think something that really came up for me when you were talking was that, you know, our society is so um, based on productivity and your life, each human's life is based like 
literally your worth, your monetary worth is based on what you can provide. And, and that has to be constant the way that things are set up. There really is no room for, for the ebbs and the flows. Um, and so for me, it's like, um, it's all about reclaiming that and building your life around reclaiming your seasons and building your life around one step at a time um, to make room for that because it is such an important earth earth rhythms your own inner rhythms are such an important part of our success yeah. and success by meaning like how we can show up in life how we can share our magic our happiness our ability to feel satisfied like that's what i mean by success and if we are not paying attention to our own rhythms or have space for them we're going to be stuck you know that's just the, the simple math that's so true because society encourages us to be in our summers to be in a speak performance all mm. the time and mm -hmm. we know when we have for example a place where it's only summer the place will become a desert and of course mm. we will burn out if we are try to stay in a speak performance mm, really, totally you shared a bit like you create room to feel and I, I know this can be really hard for people so how do you tune into your own inner seasons what's your mm. what's your magic for this <laughs> well i think different people have different ways and capacities for this but um i'm a very introspective human so the deeper i go into the healing journey um and nature the the more i find i need to create space for myself i also am just a human who tires easily and so like learning how to listen to my cues when i'm tired and not override them um has been really important to creating space so it's kind of one of those paradoxical things where it's like, in order to create space, you have to create space. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's no way around that. In order to create space, you have to create space. And again, it's like everything else, like one step at a time. How can you yeah. create space? Like, what are you tending to your needs is really how you can tune into your inner rhythms. And for me, I do, I tell my clients this because these seem so elementary, but they're not because the society we're in is like override your hunger, override your sleep, override your, your need to pee. So just like knowing, like turning into those really simple cues first is a great first step. Um, yeah. And how about you? How, how do you really tune into your inner rhythms? Hmm. I love how you shared that we override these, these inner cues and how important it is to get back that sense of connection to our bodies through listening to these cues like when are you hungry when are you tired when do you need to go to the loo um yeah. for me that definitely has been a big part and also um like you said like you share you need to create space in order for you to create space but this space can be very tiny for me Ooh. this it actually started with every time i was um, I needed to go to the loo, I would actually take a time to check in. Mm. Like, where am I? How do I feel? So this is how small I started, was like on the loo, me checking in with myself. 
and later I expanded that to like checking in with myself like every hour or so and um, when I was getting into this habit I actually I just put on an alarm every hour to like hmm, let's check in how am I doing and this checking in is really just I like to do it because every everyone is different with this and everyone's capacity is different like you sh- like you shared. I just like to quickly scan my body and it's like, hmm, how does my body feel? What does it need? How does it feel? And also, is there, are there like any emotions present that I might have been like sucking away or not allowing space for? Um, and then next to the checking in, I like to incorporate a thing uh, like how can I support myself in this? Because feeling is one thing, a feeling can create a sense of safety in the body, but we create this reciprocal relationship with our body when we listen to it and then act on it. Okay. So if you find you need to go to the loo, go to the loo. If you're thirsty, get yourself a drink. If you need a hug, do that. If you need company, send a text. Like do the smallest thing uh, oh. you can for yourself in that moment and that really helped me really helped me a lot and I'm playing with this practice sometimes it, I take 20 minutes for it and sometimes it's 20 seconds mm. um, the more often you do this the more easily you're able to tap into the wisdom of, if, of your body and to really connect like hmm, what season am I in right now what wave am I riding Mm-hmm. Um, and you notice the cues of yourself. You will get to know yourself better. Like that nagging headache you always have. It's like, oh goodness, maybe it's stress related. Maybe I should. And you learn how to um, act on these cues before they happen. You got like, oh, I got this slight headache going going on. This means I need to take a step back. And then your mm-hmm. relationship with your body is also not in all cases, but in some cases, your physical symptoms, yeah, they do get better as well. So mm-hmm. that's my in short. <laughs> love that. I love how comprehensive that was and um, how it's like, like recognizing is the first step. And I think a lot of people can, it's, it's such a like progress, but it doesn't end at just recognizing the sensations. It also then you have to act on meeting your needs. Um, so I think that's such an important part to to explore as well. Yeah, the, take yourself serious. Mm-hmm. You're not a machine. Don't treat it like that. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go. Yeah. No, slow, slow, slow. So slow. Let's go. So... Uh, can you tell us about um, about your relationship with herbal medicine? Mm, yeah, mm, <laughs> herbs. Mm. Herbs. Oh, I love it. It's such an amazing part of the wisdom of nature and the healing nature can offer to us. And even as a little girl, I was like totally fascinated by herbs. And I got my grandmother's like old book, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to, I want to learn it all." So really, in the process of still doing that because there's multiple lifetimes of learning <laughs> ahead of me. Um, 
the interesting thing is is with the chronic illness i i'm still i still have it i'm doing much better um but i am actually allergic to most herbs which is interesting mm, that so is my, interesting that's really interesting um so my path to herbalism and especially with experimenting because you can read about it but i really feel like experimenting and getting your hands dirty um is really the way to go um it has become a path of really subtle 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 medicine so i'm like the same as i am with with nature connection and with somatics take it slow uh take it bit by bit and see what lands for you because this just like everything with herbalism there is no one size fits all and it's really about getting to know yourself and then experiencing what herbs might contribute to that so i really feel that herbs are here to re-establish balance in the body and that there is a specific herb for a specific thing of specific persons mm. um, because some people really need that activation and some people really need that calming down or cooling down mm. so what i really find interesting about when you work with herbs is that um and this is something i like to incorporate with my clients as well is that um when people experience specific things in their life and they, they seek out for help, uh, for example, uh, they seek out help through me and, and I offer um, like some guidance on that, as, of course, like with the somatic and with, with our nervous system, the somatics, nature connection. Um, and when I share a specific herb with them, they're like, that's interesting. I have that specific herb frame uh, in my house somewhere or cushion with that printed on it it's like yeah this is how it works somehow and i don't know how it works i think this is just the connection we have with with plants and with herbs in specific because these are really healing allies we have is that eight out of ten times i would guess people have come across the herb that's right for them and that's just like for me, this is such a confirmation that um, the ancient bond between humans and plants and nature is still there because somehow, even in these concrete houses, people somehow still feel called or drawn to a specific plant and that's exactly the plant they need. So no matter where you are in life, if you've got a plant that keeps on coming, up, whether it's in books or you like its image, do a little research. It might just, uh, it might want to tell you something. Maybe you need a little bit of it. And especially with working with plants, you don't always have to ingest it. Um, there also can be very subtle medicine and just looking at the plant, observing, observing how it grows, how it blooms. Um, yeah, I'm really, I, I think herbs are fun as well like yeah. it's really something you can play with like mm -hmm. if you have for example a, a lot of people especially like the earthy kind of people they have like all these jars or these mason jars with yeah. kind of in it, but they always pick the same thing like let your intuition do the talking what does it need today 
and pick that. Um, and really allow nature in this very practical, tangible way to be part of your everyday life and also mm -hmm. your journey to to becoming more you, becoming more balanced, becoming more healthy because herbs are such, um, yeah, they're here for us. Mm. That's how I about it. Yeah, they really are. And um, I think it's beautiful how you point out again, that relationship that like the herb, the plant is trying to speak with you. Um, nature's trying to communicate with us. There's a relationship that all beings have with one another and that herbs are really and herbal medicines are really great pathway to to that relationship. And I also loved how you said that you didn't have to ingest that um, the medicine. It kind of reminds me of something like calendula that's like bright and sunshiny and Calendula actually has a correspondence to the sun in uh, medical herbalism, in astrology herbalism. And when you look at calendula, you're like, whoa, you're so bright and beautiful and big and like here. Um, yeah, so that in the medicine. Yeah. What's your favorite herb? I'm really curious to hear because, yeah, that's always the juicy oh, stuff. God. Oh God, what is my favorite herb? I don't have a favorite herb. I love so many of them. Um, I'm a little addicted to oat straw tea, oat mm. straw, milky and milky oats. I'm definitely the psychological, spiritual picture for that. Like dryness, like, like uh, wound tight a little bit. Um, I love rose. I love calendula. I love chamomile i love elderberry i just picked up some so i went to an herbal class this weekend and i got all sorts of herbs and i've been wanting blue vervain i've been wanting to grow it but um i've been wanting blue vervain because it's kind of in this astrological herbalism i'm kind of that psychological picture but oh my god it was so bitter i couldn't believe how bitter it was i was like okay this is this is this is medicine. This is like, this is medicine. <laughs> so going to go slow on that one. Mm. Yeah, I definitely get, you named some very, very potent herbs for the nervous system. Yeah. Oat straw, <clears throat> uh, chamomile, of course, but also blue for vein. Mm. My tip, if, if something is bitter, mix it with something else. Um, mm less bitter or make a tincture of it uh, mm. because skullcap is like is really good if you keep on overthinking but it's taste is yeah not that good make a tincture of it take a couple of droppers in water crush it down and and you're good to go but it's embracing the bitterness also is it's got it's medicine also good. yeah totally <laughs> and i have yeah anywho so your, what are your favorite herbs? Mm, nettle is definitely one of my favorites. Oh, yes. Uh, I think it's the most overlooked superfood we have. Mm. Uh, it's really nourishing. Um, my teacher, Matthew Wood, he actually said 
like if you're in doubt like which herb you you need to take take nettle um because almost everyone benefits from nettle um this is we're heading into nettle seeds uh season that's just perfectly nutty it's like an epic pick me up because it's it's don't take too much of it because you won't sleep it's like coffee um so nettle is definitely one of my favorites chamomile as well i love chamomile um it's soothing it's nourishing and it does all kinds of good things with the body um both the 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 mental aspect so it calms you down a little bit but it's also a mind painkiller and it is really good when you have got like something coming up um Mm. that you want to have a little bit of extra support with Mm. i also like milky oats like big time um whenever i feel like "Hmm, i'm i gave a little bit too much then milky oat is 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 my go-to to to medicine um Mm, it's so hard to pick favorites, but if I can I name the last, <laughs> the last one is definitely uh, Tulsi. So holy basil. Mm. Uh, it is actually in because I I've got a, a muscle activation disorder and it's got yeah and your muscles go haywire and it releases histamine. Um, and Tulsi is actually a really good um help for that it can really calm down the histamine response so with, for people with allergies but also it's oh it tastes and it's so grounding and so relaxing yeah. it's just tulsi a cup of tulsi tea feels like a warm hug or a warm blanket mm. yeah mm. definitely well thanks for sharing all of that and i didn't know that about tulsi and um i'm growing some this season and so yeah i'm I'm excited to dive into that more like um, like calming effect that it has on the body. Yeah, it's really grounding. I think that's the, um, yeah, definitely grounding. Oh, that's so neat. Um, let your grow so, Oh uh, yeah, I know, I'm excited. It's not doing super well. Nothing's doing that well right now, <laughs> but it's there and it's alive so we'll see <laughs> maybe a cup a cuppa is in order <laughs> yeah. um so i know as we told described in the introduction you are living in a communal style um situation that's off grid and has a permaculture aspect um what lessons have you learned about living in this communal Mm, yeah yeah i've been living in this eco tiny house community uh, for about a year and a half now Mm. and seriously it's the best and the worst thing or the hardest thing not the worst (laughs) but the hardest thing i've ever done Mm. we um everyone has their own house so we're not living together but we do take care for uh, two and a half hectares of permaculture uh, land um, and a group of volunteers. And the community is really value focused. So we all share similar values. Um, we all have the, the same end goal in mind. We think about things in a, in a very similar way. Um, but still, 
like everyone has got their own background, their own gifts, their own triggers, and it is like having a relationship with six people at the same time. It's six people, six people mirroring you on your edges, but also multiple people having your back, multiple people that are listen to your stories to help you with anything you come across or for example when you get back home and you really need to like share something there is always someone there to 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 get a cup of coffee or tea with so it it's nourishing but i really feel that to in order to make this successful we need to learn a lot about communities communication skills um and in our school system and society we definitely lack those things and what makes it harder because i've been reflecting on this because we've been as a group we've been working through some big stuff and i this it within tribes there is a social structure so there is a kind of hierarchy or there are elders or people with specific roles and the way this community is designed is really we are all equal to each other and in a sense that's of course a very good thing um but it gets messy too and we don't have like very structured we're very open and we are we share about our triggers and we really mirror each other so that's definitely a healthy communication style going on it's definitely very transformative but still it's yeah it's really interesting um and i feel i'm just a baby dabbling my toes in learning what it takes to uh to do this i i've been thinking about like is this the way we're supposed to live and i really think this is the way we as humans are supposed to be living like with our groups with our tribes with our extended family uh, for example but that if we're if we want to do this and not go mad, we have to have clear boundaries and have the communication skills to communicate those boundaries and stay in relationship with each other. And that they should teach that at schools <laughs> because we're not learning this. No, yeah, to learn that as an adult, to learn that in almost you know all of life, I kind of see as an experiment, but for you guys coming into this as kind of trailblazers as it were because our society our world has really moved away from there are still people living more in community but the western world is living so separate and um i think that you kind of drew on some interesting points there about the hierarchy because although hierarchy can be bad there actually is some benefit it's almost a boundary to have clear guides and expectations and so like in you know when you're raising a child the child's equal to you in respect but there is a clear hierarchy and a clear like respect you're an elder you're providing everything that that being needs so i think this raises some interesting questions about hierarchy and how to consciously apply something like a principle like hierarchy and how to apply that within community. And um, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that. What an amazing experience. And thank you for being on the forefront of this um, for us to be able to observe and use you as 
as an example. And um, I just, I honor that so much. Mm, yeah, thank you so much for seeing this. And I kind of got here by accident, but I'm really glad I did because this is, it's so good for your personal development to put yourself in situations like this. So if you have the opportunity, um, see if you can make it work. And also, um, and this is something I've been doing with friends as well, is to reflect on a community we already have. Like what is community? Does it, there, there is like a difference between community and community living. Um, but in most cases, you probably have a community, but maybe we need to redefine that and see how we can nourish our relationships in a way that, that our friends and our family become community again. And of course, nature around us as well. Mm, yeah, that's such a great point that we sometimes get this extremist mental, like in order for us to have community, we have to go live off grid in a tiny house community and it has to look like this versus like, wow, what opportunities do we have in our daily life that um, we can nurture community at this level of wherever we're at, no matter wherever we're at that community is accessible and available. Definitely. That was, I think that's one of my biggest insights in the last one and a half years. Um, and that I'm really, I hope I can contribute to the re-emerging of um, the communication styles and skills we need to have uh, in order to have healthy uh, communities. What a beautiful um, goal and uh, dream. And I can't wait to see how that evolves in your life and where you go with that because you're so right. Communication is a tool we don't, we need as communal creatures, we need communication um, clear and communication that, um, and it's a, it's a skill that we need to be taught. So. I'm so looking forward to see what that looks like for you. Mm, thank you. And I know you're into community building and you're really taking the steps to help the people around you. So I'm really curious to, to see what will emerge and how you will nourish your own communities and how it will grow and how it will help you to grow. Because I think that's mm. a double-edged uh, sword uh, when it comes to community building. Totally. Um, I just feel so grateful to have made a relationship with you. I feel like it definitely was a, a spiritual guardian type of connection. Um, and I've really been enjoying having conversation with you about these things. And and as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share that you feel is really important for the listeners to know? Mm. Mm. I think it's, it really ties in with the last bit you shared because how we met is like a total coincidence um, or, or not. <laughs> and it was totally meant to be. But wherever you are in life, leave a little bit of room for magic because when we allow to flow with life, really magical things can, can happen. Um, 
And when we're open for that, life just gets a little bit better. It gets, yeah, it just gets a lot more better. If you believe in magic, I think that's it. And be open to the coincidence that life has got to offer. The medicine of the earth, the medicine of the plants, and also the medicine you you have in you. Um, yeah, so that's that's the last thing I wanted to add. And also that I'm really grateful to, to have gotten to meet you, Mel, and to connect with you through the coven as well as through this podcast. And it's been a really wonderful conversation. And I, yeah, I cannot wait to hear where this wonderful adventure called life will, uh, will take you. Yeah, I think the magic aspect is, again, something that gets like leached from us in modern life. And so, yeah, I really appreciate that you encourage people to really access that magic all around them and within themselves. Um, and yeah, what a beautiful conversation, like talk about enriching and nourishing. Yeah, it really felt like that. And I hope for the listeners, they, yeah, I hope you really feel part of this conversation and also to really feel part of the movement, because if you're listening to this, I know there is something in you, a seed that has been planted that's so ready to, to grow into bloom at one point. So yeah, I really see you. Thanks, Sana. What an incredible episode. This was full of so many juicy details. Sana is such an amazing person. I know you guys will want to follow her work. And if you're interested in that, you can find her on Instagram at running with sheep or at www.thewildrootsguide.com. I will put everything we talked about in the show notes, including how to find Sana. See you guys for the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Your support of the Sacred Springs podcast means so much. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend or on your socials. That would be greatly appreciated. Also, follow or subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you can be up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you for tuning in and see you next time on the Sacred Springs podcast. Thank you.